0: Welcome to the United podcast for a very special episode, an episode that we have had planned for a while. And before I get started, I'll just make the announcement straight away that this is a Sancho and Rafael Varane free podcast. We'll do our best not to mention them unless I do have my phone. Um, I'll be scrolling through Twitter. If there is any breaking news, I'm sure someone in the live comments um, can tell me to check Fabrizio Romano's Twitter timeline and I'll have the check if Jaden Sancho has been announced. But as I said, Sancho and Free Zone. Got my good friend, Lewis. How are you, mate?
1: I'm good. How are you, Tom? Thanks for the invite, yeah. mate.
0: No, very good. Oh, well, you can tell from the podcast title what this is, a podcast about Brazilian or Manchester United players, obviously, from Brazil. And um, this is a podcast, me and Lewis, a good friend of mine, we are going to do a couple of weeks ago, obviously, before this sort of second wave of COVID hit. Um, like any guest we have on, Lewis, I'll have to ask... Um, How are you going with COVID? Obviously, you still play football, so it's really affected the season heavily.
1: Yeah, no. Unfortunately, we had to stop the season and we had six games to go. Uh, You know, obviously, the club that I play for, which is Hakua, we play the NPL here in New South Wales. We play NPL too. We're fighting for promotion and we we just dropped fifth. It's um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) top four goes up. And then uh, the season just stopped. So it just uh, the, the good thing about about lockdown is just that I can can go, I can go outside, I can train. And, but other than that, just staying home. Unfortunately, that's all reality right now. I reckon, I, I think a lot of people got affected with that. But not much we can do, eh?
0: just stay home, safe. Just waiting for the football to start back up. The Euros was good. Um, well obviously Copa America in your case, um, which probably didn't have a great ending with Argentina versus Brazil, but I'm sure we'll touch on that in a little bit. But what we'll do yeah. was obviously obviously look at back at the Brazilians who have played. There's obviously eight Brazilians who have played for Manchester United, and we'll touch on them, their ups and downs, how we perceive them as Man United fans and how you perceive them in Brazil, sort of thing. But also just there, you mentioned you still play football, so I think a good thing would be... England and Australia have a similar type of culture, so we'll discuss that sort of move from playing in Brazil to going to a foreign country and the challenges sort of that do pop up for certain footballers because it is a narrative always thrown out there. When a player comes from Brazil, there is a big change and we as fans demand so much from them, but um, we always, always sort of neglect the actual human side and the actual huge culture change it is from them. But before we start, I just want to talk about Man United and Brazil. Because if you're to play like, I don't know, what what was that TV show called Family Feud, where they used to give you a topic and you had to name five things that spring to mind. I'm sure if you ask 100 people, name five things to do with football, 99% of them, two of the terms they're going to use is Manchester United and Brazil. Manchester United is the biggest club in the world, or obviously for us it is. And Brazil is the most iconic football nation. Everyone has a story or a memory about Brazil and and football. So two things absolutely synonymous with football. But I'm just thinking how Brazil, especially when you were growing up, how how was Manchester United perceived in Brazil? Because when we do see a foreign player come over from South America, the two clubs they always mention is very much Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, Not so much Manchester United where someone from Australia or England, Europe, Man United is always top of the list. So just back to your, sort of your childhood and even now as well, how is Man United viewed in Brazil, especially compared to those Spanish clubs?
1: Uh, look, um, as you said, um, Real Madrid and Barcelona are the biggest ones. Even if you ask a teenager that is growing up in um, in Brazil right now, maybe now they will mention Man United. They might mention Man City. They might mention Bayern. But back then, uh early nineties, I would say that main May United, maybe Premier League wasn't as famous in Brazil. Maybe in the eighties when Liverpool played against Flamengo in the World World Cup, the club World Cup, maybe Brazil was more um, knew more about the English clubs. But I would say main United got famous sort of in South America and in, in Brazil especially it was in nineteen ninety nine. When they won the champions league and then they went to play against palmeiras in the in japan in the end of the year after that and straight after they went to brazil to play the club world cup in the summer in our summer in the winter for them well that, that was a big uh, controversy
0: played. in england because man united had to leave we had to abandon the fa cup that season because it was in january so it was mid-season mm-hmm. so Man united True. were ready to play in the fa cup and United were going, or sorry, not United, but England were trying to sort of gain host for the World Cup rights. I think in 2006 or 2010, I forget which. I think mean, the 06 World Cup. So there was big yeah. pressure on the men, United big pressure on Man United from the UK government to go and sort of represent England over in South America, and they had to obviously pull out of the FA Cup that year.
1: Yeah, it was was kind of weird actually that they comp because out of nowhere they. They, we had two Brazilian teams in the World Cup because they they said there was the the country that was hosting it. They had the um, the two main um, national winners, but Corinthians, which is the team that I support, won the national league in '98, in '99, in Vasco, mm-hmm. but is meant it to be Palmeiras because Palmeiras won the Libertadores before. But anyway, but and then Man United got a, got very famous going there. It's it's all jokes around as well because they all say that we're, because Real Madrid went there as well. Real Madrid and Man United maybe because Real Madrid also won the Champions League a year before hmm. in '98. And uh, we're all all the Brazilians make jokes around because the Man United players didn't take us serious was playing there. So they went there, they were drinking and then went to the game and mm-hmm. played. But I reckon when you go on the field, obviously you're gonna take serious. Obviously you wanna win, especially if you if you know how Ferguson was, he wanted to win everything and all the players as well. And they played the big the big the big players against Vasco. Yeah. I don't know if you remember oh, that, that, yeah, all the lost 3-1 to that They one there. It was in that the Vasco team had Romario, Edmundo juninho mm. both juninhos juninho that played yeah. for middlesbrough and Juninho that played for leon so mm. was 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 very big for us brazilians especially because the grand final was two brazilian teams as well so mm-hmm. i us, think that yeah, you yeah. just go back
0: to especially the way united treated it i remember seeing so many photos and it goes back to that part the important part of it being in january which is obviously freezing conditions in the middle of winter in manchester Suddenly, these English lads were able to go over in the middle of winter over and sun themselves on the beach in Brazil. So, yeah, they'll in sit Rio down. Rio Yeah. Exactly. But, um, yeah. Well, I just seen a comment here from Param, who's been on the podcast a couple of nights ago, saying, evening lads, has the crying about Fred started this season? We will get into Fred Lewis. I'm really keen to get your opinion because... The mixed bag with Fred. Obviously, we've discussed that a little bit, but Man um, United yeah, I fans have a bit of a love hate, maybe more hate relationship with Fred. Before we get into the players um, who have played for United, the eight Brazilians who have done so, just want to talk about. Obviously, you've you've done the move from Brazil to Australia. If you hear that shaking, it's just my dog. I think he's got a niche or something. <laughs> but if. Um, no a lot of players go from Brazil to England and we talk about the the, sort of the challenges in culture, whether it be a language thing or the difference in football. It's very very much a similar thing. So I've I've moved from Australia to England. I've witnessed the football. It's very similar, the football in England and Australia. Obviously, England's a lot more intense, but the, the style of football is very similar. Obviously, extremely different to that in Brazil. So I'm just thinking, how did you find it moving from Brazil to Australia? What were the main challenges in regards to football? Was it solely the on-pitch differences, or was it stuff like language? Was it stuff like your pre-match meal is going to be different, etc.? Hmm.
1: Uh, I think uh, the biggest change it's the way uh, England, uh, Englishes or Australians, the, you guys look at the game. The the way we look at the game is completely different, and the game here is much more it's rougher than back back in Brazil. I think players will struggle. Most, I would say, with the language, obviously, because it's a completely different language. Like, if we go to Spain or if we go even to Italy, I think it's similar to our language, to Portuguese. But related to the game, um, how the pace of the game and how even referees, how they deal with the game as well, here they, they let the game go much much more like which is back in brazil the game would be would stop more often with free kicks falls everything here they let it go and you gotta you become you got to become tough you got to become like you, you have to learn otherwise you're not going to play because i've seen a lot of south americans not only brazilians here even though argentinians uruguayans they're pretty tough from the way they play but the way they do here and I imagine in England as well, they let it go so much. So Mm. I reckon you got to adjust your game and just go with it otherwise, because the game is not going to change for you. And I think that's why some Brazilians and South American players, when they go to England, I will give you an example, maybe Paulinho went to Tottenham, he couldn't adjust, because the Mm. game was too fast for him. And, um, you know, just that that's the football related. Another thing I think, for the Brazilians, for South Americans, to for them to to actually adjust to the lifestyle as well, other than the the language, I would say the the weather as well. The weather in England doesn't help as much as because well. so you get you get days like uh, that is weeks raining, weeks very cold. Even the summer is different than our summer. I reckon that that could be a Another reason for them to to get used to it, you know. What
0: do you think uh, of this comment? I'll just throw it back up from my co-host Larry. Is not on tonight, but he's watching. Um, so just get your opinion. Obviously, the, as I said at the start, we had the Euros, but also the Copa America. And when I was watching the Copa America, you, you and me discuss football all the time at work. Absolutely discuss it for days, and you could watch it the highest level, or you could watch under six girls football. Like, we just love football so much. But when I was watching the Copa America. It was so frustrating. It was like, in each game, it seemed like there was 15 minutes of injury time because every time there was a foul, someone was rolling around sort of thing. So Larry said, "He South American football so hard to watch. Perception is they spend more time, more time trying to get a foul rather than try to win the game. So just someone who's obviously played there and a lover of football, how do you view it when you do see?
1: I reckon I reckon comes back to what I said before uh, as in, in adjust because the, the South American, we, we used to, like, when it's, it's two different places for to to, to to play. So the game there, they stop more quickly. So they, every time that the referee uh, it's a foul contact on you, they might think it's a free kick. When they go somewhere else, so like for example in England, you guys grow up. You the game is contact. is all the time. It's rough. So back in South America, they're gonna what they gonna they they just playing. They they're not trying to dive all the time, but because they used to it. Since they a child, you know, even though the with the game we watched Argentina in Brazil, I agree with you guys. We 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 even had a discussion our group chat on the WhatsApp with the Hakua boys, my my teammates. They were just just saying, like how tough, how painful was to watch the game because they were most most of the time on the ground. But I I have another an, an, another idea about that as well because the Argentinian team they knew that the Brazilian team. Was better technical than them, so their game plan was like give heart on them, and then find a goal. Well, how they find a goal? with Di Maria, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then go with it. But I reckon a lot of players struggles in England, especially because that the, the, the fans are pretty, are pretty tough on whoever is diving or whoever is pretending to to win a foul or something.
0: It would be interesting Uh, to see if, um, I know one of the, I forget the name of the Jared Gillette, uh, I forget, is moving from the A-League and this season is going to be in the English Premier League. So usually in a domestic league, it's just whatever nationality is, referees from that nation will be the referee. But now the England is starting to maybe expand that a little bit and get foreign referees in. Do you think the game would change then if you'd suddenly, it would be a huge culture change, but do you think if you threw an English referee in the Copa America, that would stamp out, like the, the Brazilians would quickly adapt, or do you think it's just so uh, uh,
1: ingrained? Yeah. I, I, I reckon it, because it, in our national league, in a Brazilian league, the way they, they ref is completely different than the way the Libertadores referees, mm-hmm. the the way they do. They let the the game goes, fl- they let flow more. You know what I mean? In Brazil, they stop the game all the time, so any contact they Fell over and then that's why they created bad behaviors on the players as well because everything they're gonna complain about everything they're gonna You know uh, Ask for a foul, but I I reckon I think they tried that before back in the day trying to Yeah, I think yeah a
0: lot of a lot of nations yeah sort of do it But I think it's something that's going to become more and more especially with the English Premier League doing it now I'm not sure how the Australian referee is going to go. Um, Give him time, but um, I'm sure there'll be a controversial decision or two. But we'll quickly move on to why everyone is here, the Man United part of the podcast, and sort of reminiscing about players both, as I said, there's a mixed bag with Brazilians. Um, And as I said, the biggest club in world football, obviously from our point of view in Man United and the most iconic football nation in Brazil. You would think there's this huge relationship and connection between the two. But as I said, there's only been eight players and currently three of them are in the current squad, in Pereira, Fred and Telez. So you'd think there'd be actually a lot more Brazilians who have represented United, but it's not the case. Obviously, that is a good number eight in terms of a foreign a foreign country, but, yeah, you'd think it would be a little bit more. So, um, obviously, France and Netherlands have quite sort of high numbers at United, but not the Brazilians. But the first story of a Brazilian, I've got an interesting one because it was back in, I'd say, 2003, and we always have – Lewis, I don't know if you know, but Man United, we have real iconic images of when a player signs. So at the moment, sorry, I know I said I wouldn't mention his name at the start, but we're all all waiting for the Jadon Sancho shirt sign, where he's there holding the shirt up and the scarf. It's a a photo you always remember of a player. We remember the Rooney one, we remember Beckham, we remember Rio Ferdinand in his white suit, etc. And one of the ones, a very famous one, is Cristiano Ronaldo. We remember Cristiano Ronaldo there on the pitch holding the scarf next to Alex Ferguson. As a Brazilian, do you know who the player standing next to Cristiano Ronaldo on that day was? Yeah, Cleverson. Unbelievable! Like he was at the time. I'll just show Cleverson's name up there. At the time, it was only one Ronaldo for me—Brazilian Ronaldo. When we signed Cristiano Ronaldo, it was who is this guy? I wasn't. It was exciting. Okay, young player coming in. Obviously, got tricks and flicks, but I didn't really know who he was. Cleveson was a World Cup win. I was thinking, this is the player, This is the exciting signing here. Ronaldo, that's good. See what happens. Cleverson was one a lot of the hopes were on. So I'm just thinking, and ultimately he might go down as almost the worst Brazilian at United in terms of expectations and he ultimately sort of so-called flopped. But just your thoughts as Brazilian growing up, that 2002 World Cup, such a good team, obviously won the World Cup. Cleveson was a part of that team. Your thoughts on Cleverson growing up, him as a player and ultimately his time at United? from what you can remember in his short time at United?
1: Yeah. No, it's funny because uh, he was the first Brazilian to ever play for, for May United, which is a big thing as well. And uh, I was reading a story uh, a few days ago that Cleberson joined um, May United because Ronaldinho told him that he was going to sign for May United.
0: Yeah. Well, Ronaldinho was did, very close. Did,
1: yeah, did very you know close.
0: that? So yeah, very close. When
1: because there was a year after the World Cup, that was two, 2003. So, um, Ronaldinho was about to leave uh, PSG, and he had um, he had someone because he was to, to get sponsored by Nike, and he had a guy who was he's uh, one of the main guys, like he was going to, to in the election for, for Barcelona, and then he mentioned to Cleberson, he said, Oh, look, I might go to United. That's the best place for you to go. But Cleberson also had um, offers from Leeds and Newcastle mm. with United. But he didn't want to sign because he was waiting for a big club. And then um, Cleberson got signed to go with Ronaldinho. And then once he signed, Ronaldinho, the guy that Ronaldinho had on his pocket, whatever it was, won the election, which was Laporta. In uh won the election in Barcelona and then he went to Barcelona. But it's funny because um Ferguson took him to replace Veron.
0: Oh, yeah? yeah. The other South American, yeah.
1: But it, it comes comes back to what I said before. He didn't adjust. He didn't adjust with like even when Ronaldo was there, he they were together. They were even in the same room. They were like trying because they were both new in England. They both didn't know the language. They both speak Portuguese, so it was a a mix of things. I think he didn't adjust to the game. The game was a bit too fast for him, especially as a midfielder, which is the to play in mid in the midfield in England. It's different than playing in Brazil, and the game there's a big difference pace-wise. You know what I mean? So I think and then. He got some injuries as well. And look, when you go, especially he was in a small, not a small club. I would say medium club in Brazil, which was Atlético Paranaense. It's from Curitiba. It's south of Brazil. But it's not not even top eight bigger clubs in Brazil. But they won the National League before. And he was one of the main players. That's why he made the World Cup.
0: Well, from memory, the World Cup, he started in that World Cup midfield, didn't he?
1: No, who started was Juninho. Juninho played for Middlesbrough. Yep. So Juninho, because Brazil used to play with 3-5-2 in that team, and they used to play Gilberto Silva, and then Juninho. But Juninho played uh, the first four games, but Cleberson always went on for him.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because I remember yeah, he's always, but he wasn't just a bench player. He was always in and around, in and around the team.
1: No, he always on, and then against Belgium in the round 16, he went on and played. It changed the game because the game was very was zero zero mm-hmm. after halftime, which which was a very tough game. Uh, everyone says that was the hardest game Brazil had on in 2002 was round 16 against Belgium, and then he went on. He changed the game, and then s- since the next game, which is which was against England when Ronaldo scored that goal. He was starting he started against England Turkey and then Germany in Germany he was the best player on the field in the grand yes. final so
0: I think that's amazing when you say like can you imagine a World Cup World Cup win I made a match in the World Cup final you'd think unbelievable football and rightly so but then he comes to United and United fans very much treat him as not in a disrespectful way but that he was a flop and ultimately if you call someone a flop you sort of label him labeling them a bad footballer which ultimately can't be the case because six months earlier, he was the best player in the World Cup final. But, you know, um, there are a few,
1: few things that we have to consider as well. When the player goes from Brazil, in Brazil, he's the starter. He will start the every game. He will be that guy who will start there. He doesn't have a competition in the squad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when he goes overseas, when he goes to United, for example, which is one of the biggest clubs in the world, Imagining he was there, he had to compete with scolds Wells. Roy Kane, David Beckham, Beckham. And Nicky Butt, David Roy Beckham. King. So yeah. look, look how different it is in language, food, weather. So it's a mix of everything, you know what I mean? It's not an excuse, but you, you've yeah. got to consider that as well.
0: Yeah, well, a who was on the podcast the other night saying always felt that the South American contingent at United struggled. And it has been. There hasn't been many, which we'll get into. Um, probably one of my favourite players in the past 10 years. It's obviously one of the Brazilians. But um, just moving on to the next Brazilian. And, again, one that splits opinion. Either he was – some fans hate not hated him, but said he was absolutely rubbish. And others said he was extremely underrated. And I'm, st- I'm in definitely in that camp because I think we'll start with he won the Golden Boy Award in 2008, Anderson. And that was after breaking, he had did he have, break his leg twice or both legs once, et cetera? And um yeah, so he, he was off the bat of a couple of bad injuries. He won the European Golden Boy award, which you look at the names of that have won that. You look at the names now in terms of the mbappes, your Harlems, et cetera, the players like that, sort of world class talents. that is the that is the type of category we had Anderson back in in two thousand and eight, two thousand and seven, two thousand eight So he came in with a huge pedigree and ultimately was coming. well, he didn't come from Brazil, he obviously moved to Porto. But um, still a big change going from Portugal to Manchester. And I think a lot of people forget, they think, oh, he's had a slow start. Sir Alex Ferguson, when Anderson was fit, and we obviously won the double in that first season, in the 07-08 season, and in the Champions League and in big games in that season, Sir Alex Ferguson, almost first name on the team sheet, was Anderson. And no matter how Anderson's career turned out at United, obviously ups and downs, especially with his fitness, um, can never really sort of... Get that form going and that was down to his injury record and his fitness he never really completed 90 minutes he was very often the first man off after 60 or 70 minutes but ultimately in big games Sir alex ferguson trusted him and you look back at sralix ferguson's reign at that end it's that 07 08, 09 period it was our most successful ever period and anderson was in the midfield then
1: he always starting, yeah um you know a, a funny thing about anderson is um when he joined the United, he was only 19. He's not even yeah. 20. So imagine if he he came from a very, very poor family in Brazil. And so he became a soccer star out of nowhere. When he was 17, he was a Grêmio. He had a he got famous in Brazil because Grêmio was in a Grêmio is a big club in Brazil. And Grêmio was in the second division there. And um Grêmio had to win one game and they got four players re- uh, with red cards four players so they they played a game with seven players And the game i think was 1-0 or 2-0 um so imagine you play with seven players they had one <laughs> player in attack and that guy was anderson huh? and then in a counter attack after corner he dribbles everyone and scored two one with seven players on the field <laughs> so that's how Anderson got famous. And maybe that's why Porto bowled him. Uh, I'm not sure. But uh, it's another funny thing about Anderson, how uh, United played against Porto in a preseason game, I think 2007 or 2008, one year before you signed him, you guys signed him. And uh, he absolutely killed the game. And Ferguson loved it. But he never he's he's never been number eight. He always be a number ten or yeah. center forward when play four four two. And um uh, when he joined to United, I think Paul Scholes got injured, wasn't it? And then yeah. Ferg- and then Ferguson started him as a as a number eight. And then yeah. since then he just just, well, I, uh, I think
0: the Anderson arrival was down, and i to sort of refresh my memory, but it was down to a Scholes fitness because Paul Scholes the season before had an eye injury or, or the two seasons before had an eye issue and it was very sort of touch and go about his career, whether he was going to continue. So that was something Stralix Fergus and obviously um, sort of sort of question was concerned about. So w- whether he so, sort of saw Anderson as that attack in midfield, which Scholes was, or as a box-to-box, which he kind of sort of... That's how he did play at United. He was never that far advanced. But, um, yeah, I think the Anderson sign-in, you'd have to ask Sir Alex, of course. But I think it was with a view to potentially sort of replace Paul Scholes. That ultimately didn't happen. But I can think that was what the thinking was. And if someone, if a manager like Sir Alex Ferguson is trusting a player like Anderson to replace Paul Scholes, I think that shows how highly Sir Alex Ferguson was rating Anderson.
1: And that's what I find interesting about Ferguson as well. It's his vision, because mm-hmm. he definitely didn't see Anderson playing that position, against when they played against. You know what I mean? So maybe he saw like, oh, that guy could be that guy for for scores or for this sort of position that I need. Because United always played on this sort of, uh, especially in 2000, was always those 4-4-2, wasn't it? Sort of yeah,
0: in the Champions League, he started to move towards having three in the midfield, the... which ultimately yeah, yeah, yeah. he did in that 07-08 season, which we then go on to win the Champions League. And Anderson, I think we, the main reason I have so much respect for him, I have respect for all the players who play for United, as long as they don't go and disrespect us when they leave. But the thing with Anderson, we we had such a discussion the last couple of weeks with the Euros final, where Jadon Sancho and Marcus Rashford came off the bench and Mr Penley, they brought on four penalties and all of us here were saying, and rightly so, we're saying it's not fair on a player to come on in the 120th minute, not touch the ball, then have to go and take a pressure penalty. Anderson did the exact same thing in the Champions League final in 08. He came on for Wes Brown in the 120th minute. John Terry missed the penalty. john T- Anderson took the next penalty. Talk about a pressure penalty. He hasn't touched the ball yet. Anderson puts it down. Was he 19 at the time? And smashes it in. And um, probably not the best penalty. Czechs so have d- dived out of the way. But they all count, and
1: oh,
0: he scores in a Champions League final for us and a crucial penalty, and that is why I look at Anderson and just have the utmost respect for him. But um, just go through one or two comments here. Josh's, um, I saw Larry's comment here about Anderson. Maybe a little bit disrespectful, loved a Big Mac. I think that's what, what ultimately got him at the end of his career. He did like a little bit of um, takeaway dinners From all reports from a lot yeah. of – I remember Patrice Evra always used to make a little bit of fun of him. But we'll quickly move on, and we won't spend too much time on the next player because we always throw this qu- this player up in trivia. One of the trivia questions a lot of Man United sort of pages use is say, name all the Brazilians who have played for United. And some of us always say possible but when you then look at his Wikipedia page, half the pages have him as Italian. I think he represented Italy in the under-20s maybe. But he obviously moved from Brazil, and it was highly sought up. Ferguson definitely did rate him. I think he made his debut in that season as well at the start of the 07-08 season. But ultimately, he unfortunately got a really – I don't know if he broke his leg or it was just a really bad cut. Because I remember you could see the bone in his shin, but I don't actually think it was a break. Um, it was a sort of horrific injury and ultimately never – he obviously went on to have a career, I assume. I hope so. But um, it never really kicked on at United. Do you remember anything from Possibon, whether it be sort of Look, talking about not- him? In <laughs> he's not –
1: no he's not famous at all in Brazil. We, we obviously we, we heard about him. He actually went to Santos afterwards after like in 2012 when That's Neymar hard. was at Santos still but with that everyone was saying oh Santos is getting a player who played for United you know what I mean so it wasn't his resume but back then when he because I think he joined United in 2008 and he um, wasn't even I think he played a few games as a professional player and yeah. then out of nowhere Ferguson found him and then he went to, to to united and then it is what it is he didn't he didn't yeah. perform and well, then I he went on thing- to to braga it- yeah i think he, w- he went to to portugal it rings bell portugal he
0: definitely went to portugal
1: yeah yeah but i think so- one of the things and
0: um, i'm sure someone in the comments can correct me he, because i think it was only a handful four or five games he played for united but i have a feeling um, Someone correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but he played in the, or not played, he was on the bench in the 2009 League Cup final against Tottenham. We beat Tottenham in a penalty shootout. I'm positive pos was on the bench. Um, because I remember we had, I remember we rested players like Wayne Rooney and players like that in that League Cup final. We had a big Champions League game the week after and it showed what Stralix Ferguson thought of the League Cup and Tottenham, where he rested players like Wayne Rooney in a, in a final. And um, I think he rested <laughs> Ben Desar, Ben Foster was the goalkeeper that week. But um, moving on to, we'll put these two in one category. We'll put the twins, Rafael and Fabio. Now, a lot of the discussion will probably sort of centre around Rafael was probably more the prominent twin. One of my favourite players at United, absolutely loved him. But just your thoughts on them because they both, I think they went in over maybe the year or two before they signed for Man United in the old Night Cup. A lot of the Brazilian teams used to enter that at Old Trafford or at Carrington and they were two players that really stood out. And ultimately end up signing for United. They they signed a year earlier but they couldn't join because of some some of the rules the in age. terms of signing young players. But um just your thoughts on them because I'll send most of my discussion with Rafael. But Rafael and Fabio, you combine the two. United fans absolutely loved them. They they absolutely adored these two players.
1: Yeah, because um it comes to the the way he they behaved themselves as well. They were very professional, they were since they start, I think they they came with the right mentality to to the team. To 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 they face the opportunity as if like this is the opportunity of my life. Both of them, and you see like even Rafael, who had way more opportunities than Fabio, uh, they both were always always very professional, always training very hard, always like there um, uh, for whatever they need. So sometimes, as I said to you, at this Kliberson situation players in Brazil, they in Brazil they play every game, they treated as main stars. When they go to a a European club, they just want more. They just had to fight every day for their spot. And I think that's what Rafael and Fabio, because they went so early, they didn't play as professionals, as professional players in Brazil, -hmm. they adjust to their mentality. You know what I mean? To their English mentality, the European mentality. And then that's why they become like so popular, maybe because it's yeah, a funny story as well. Like two twins, uh yeah. they both full backs. Fabio, they also right footer. He didn't want to play as a right back to not compete against his brother. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, it's it's a funny story. Well, you mentioned uh,
0: I could talk for a day about Rafael. Absolutely, love the guy. I remember in the twelve thirteen, the checkered kid-eyed Rafael on the back of my shirt, where he scored at well, not in that shirt, but he scored at Anfield. He's curled one in the top corner of that season. He also scored a goal of the season away at QPR in our. That's God. That's our last title. When that seems a lifetime ago, but um, just on Fabio, there you mentioned it sort of wasn't given. Or it was all I like perceived. He wasn't given the chances, Rafael, and I would agree. But then another trivia question a lot of United fans can sort of always throw out there. In the 2011 Champions League final, obviously we don't want to remember that because Barcelona were just on a different level that day. He was. He started. Fabio started that day. So, um, <laughs> yeah, again, someone like you can imagine some of the players Alex could have thrown in there, but he trusted Fabio. And obviously he definitely but, would have trusted Rafael, but Fabio to be thrown in there is a big sign of confidence.
1: But think about now uh, in... um when uh, rafael joined the first team because the when they joined united obviously they didn't go to the first team straight the away they went to under 20s maybe under 23s I'm, I'm not sure and then uh rafael was the first one to be called up and the competition for rafael was gary neville gary neville was 33 32 back then so he was finishing his career. He's towards the end of his career. Obviously, he wasn't going to play 50, 60 games a season. So that's why Rafael got the, chance, the the opportunities earlier. Fabio had to compete against Evra. How are you going to compete against Evra, which is very consistent left back, a top top left back? And then if you see how many years was Evra as a uh, in the first team, how many years? Yeah. How many no, years exactly. he was?
0: Two thousand and five six? to two thousand yeah. Oh, a lot longer, 2005 to thirteen.
1: So maybe that, that explains a lot why Rafael had more chances yeah. than Fabio. Even though Fabio, <laughs> he was a left-back, right-footed, but he started in the Champions League as a right-back
0: hmm.
1: because maybe well, well, Rafael was in. Rafael or... pretty
0: much, and true, as you say, Gary Neville's age, but Rafael ultimately did displace Gary Neville and sort of Gary Neville had to retire because of it. No, no, not because of sure, Gary true. Neville sort of had his own issues, but ultimately... Rafael did do enough to ultimately win that spot. And just on, before we go into the current crops to finish off the podcast, a little bit go back to Brazil and on the notion of fullbacks and ultimately Gary Neville. Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville, obviously Sky Sports, the sort of United fans have a sort of love hate relationship with the way they talk, but um, they're always good value. But Jamie Carragher made the quote probably last year, maybe two years ago, saying, No one wants to, no one grows up wanting to be Gary Neville. Like no one, no one grows up wanting to be a fullback. Everyone wants to be the striker or the winger. And I just want to throw it back to you in terms of growing up in Brazil. Like if we mention Brazil, we're you we know a number ten position or the seven sort of a wide attacking player or your striker. But if you do look at Brazil, they've always had the best fullbacks in the world. Like just off the top of my head, you got Cafu, Roberto Carlos, Carlos Alberto, Marcelo, Dani Alves. They've always had the best fullbacks, and I'm just thinking, go back to that quote from Jamie Carragher. So no one grows up wanting to be Gary Neville, a.k.a. a fullback. In Brazil, is there a sort of a pathway? Is there an idea in some kids' head, well, no, I do want to be a fullback. This is, I see a career as a fullback. Or is everyone a number 10 or a winger and ultimately not good enough and they go back to a fullback?
1: Exactly. Um, the thing is, uh, the game is, every, all the Brazilian players back in the day, then, now it's different because they develop the players differently right now. But, because it's our main sport, they're all very technical. They're all very good with the ball. So they all, like, if you if you say, like, I was reading the resume about Rafael. He started as a striker when he was 11 years old. And then when he went to Fluminense with the competition, with the other players maybe better technically than him, he went to the, to right back because it was the, the position that they needed someone there. So that's what that that's what happens with all the fullbacks in Brazil. So they all maybe when they, in the youth, in the youth stage, they all centre mid, midfielders, strikers, wingers. Cafu was a right wing when he started. Mm. Cafu had to do. Uh, it's an interesting story about Cafu. He had to do fourteen trials to get, get in. Fourteen to get in in the club, and then after that, he's the only player in the world. To play three World Cups grand final in a row, 94, 98, 2002 He's, he's the, the Brazilian player with more uh, games with the national team. So you see, like, and he always been a right wing. And then he became as a right back. Roberto Carlos was a left back in Brazil, but when he went to Europe to inter Milan with Roy Hudson, Roy Hudson always played him as a left wing. And that's why he had to go to Madrid because he said to Roy Hodgson, I can't play as a left wing. I have to play as a left back because that's where I'm going to play my national team. And then they exchanged Zamorano with him. Zamorano went to Inter. He went to Madrid. And, but that's the mentality Roy Hodgson th- thought. Like, it's, <laughs> he's very offensive. He can't play as a left back. Yeah. Uh, that's That's what it is with the fullbacks in Brazil.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, um, but we'll move on. And obviously, the current crop now, because as I said, there's only been eight plays for um, Brazil who have represented Man United, but three of them are currently here. And we will start on one who I wouldn't even say divides opinion amongst Man United fans at the moment. It's very much get him out the door as soon as possible. But is a player I have liked over the over the years, but ultimately his time is up. And I'm um, good friend of the podcast, probably Andres Pereira. Um, just your thoughts, because again, he's is that one I think. I don't know if he's born in Brazil or in Belgium, but he grew up in Belgium. United no. got him from there. And, um, no,
1: he he was born in Belgium. Oh, born
0: in Belgium, but he, but
1: he was born in Belgium. But, uh, his dad is Brazilian, okay. his family is Brazilian. His daddy look, was a former player as well.
0: Look, look, Josh knows he's throwing this comment up saying, Get the popcorn out because and he knows exactly what's coming because Andres Pereira. I, I say this all the time, Andres Pereira isn't good enough for man united there's players with far less ability than him who are far more suited to be successful at united because if you just look as a footballer of andres Pereira, he's fantastic he's got all the ability he's technical he's got a great touch he can finish he can pass but ultimately it doesn't come together for him Um, when he's put under pressure it just doesn't work for him i'm just thinking do you think it's a case of him being in england that what we mentioned at the start of the podcast in terms of he just can't adapt and he should go. Because obviously he went to on loan in Spain for two years and did very well at Granada and was it Getafe or Valencia? Getafe. Valencia. Valencia was it and Granada. And um, did very well. But ultimately in England, you can see all the ability. He's got all the technique, but it just hasn't worked for him. And ultimately he's come back from, from loan from Lazio, but pretty much unanimous. or Every single United fan say, get out. It's time to go. Your time's up. <laughs>
1: yeah but now he's being called he wanted to to stay at lazio didn't mm-hmm.
0: he? oh well, it, that... it's, it's still a very it's still a very strong possibility that he goes back whether ah. it's another loan or a sale who knows that um yeah i think his time definitely is up at united
1: you know some players they don't adjust to to the english style like premier league style if you see ah but then you're gonna a lot of people will say um but, all, every, every league, the game is fast. That's the football these days. But in Premier League, it's different. It's it's a different pace. It's a different dynamic of the game. But I think that the problem with Andreas, he went too early into in, England. I think he should well, have he, stayed... he,
0: was, he was part of the United Academy for a while. He was there from, I think he was 14. He signed for United, I think.
1: Yeah but when he, 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 he,
0: he didn't make his debut for, for a while but he was there as, as a young kid
1: the, maybe it's uh, i reckon it's the, the the way he plays you know his game adjusts to the uh, to, to Italy to Spain why he doesn't doesn't adjust in, in England Well maybe for
0: he, Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but Prem just put a comment up here saying the faith I had him to get his starting spot under Jose was very misplaced because when Jose Mourinho came in, he played Andres Perry in a number six role in pre-season. And pre-season, okay, Andres looked very good and he showed all his ability on the ball and you think, okay, he's a future number six for us. And ultimately um, it didn't sort of come to fruition, which is unfortunate, but I think his time is up now. The next player, maybe in the same category. His time definitely is isn't up. He's definitely going to be a part of the United squad this season, but someone who definitely does divide opinion. I'm not sure the comments people will throw their opinions in now. But um, as I said, another good friend of the podcast and Fred. Before we get into his time at United, and I don't want to bring up the Copa America, and obviously, unfortunately for Brazil, he they lost the final. <laughs> but he was very good for the cop in the Copa America from what I saw from Brazil. He, he was starting pretty much every game.
1: He started. Pretty much every game. I think only the fourth game he didn't start against, which was like just a a game that we we were qualified as in first place. But he definitely was part of the first team this this Copa America. Look, in Brazil, Brazil has people in Brazil. They have a lot of problems with coaches that bring players from Europe to play for Brazil. Obviously, the best players are in Europe but because a lot of players in playing in brazil they don't get the, as many opportunities as fred as as uh, the players in europe that is a big the bigger problem for them you know what i mean so they they rather someone who plays for flamengo corinthians they always going to find someone that is better than than the players who plays in europe and fred is one of the 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 one of them because we had a player he just joined Marseille now his name is gerson he was playing he's in exactly the same position as fred he's left footer as well and uh, he was playing for flamengo and flamingos was, he was doing very well for flamengo and everyone the media the supporters everyone was saying he should he should be called up for the first team but he was called up for the olympic team because he's under 23 and then uh, Tite well, our coach. He started Fred instead of um, we had all other options. That guy who plays for Aston Villa, what's his name? Douglas Luis. Douglas Luis. Uh, the, the, the players, or oh, because he always uh, Fabinho plays over Casemiro, and you know what I mean. So, but Fred, he had a okay, okay competition uh, for Copa America. But on and off, he plays well one game. And then the next game, like for example, we you, you watched the grand final. He had a terrible game that game. Unfortunately, he he didn't play. He didn't play well. And I think well, I watched what do a you lot think of this you know, comment
0: in terms of what do you think of this comment I'll throw up on the screen from George? Like we discuss football pretty much all day at work when we used to work together, and um, some great footballers you see their ability, but you think something's missing, just their intelligence that they're not a fo- they don't have a football brain. And George has just said here, the dumbest first team footballer at United by far because. I do look at when Fred gets the ball. And like in the mould of Andres Pereira, you watch him strike a ball and you think he's a hell of a player. He's got the technique. He should be fantastic. But sometimes you see him go and collect the ball off the back four. Like he goes and gets the ball off the centre back and he just lacks complete awareness of what's around him. And he'll just turn and get crunched by the opposition midfielder. And then we lose the ball on an 18-yard box and ultimately lose the game. So just your thoughts on, you see Fred, there's potential there. But in his head, it's just it something something's missing.
1: You know, he's another player. Uh, he was a number ten when he started, and then in Europe, mm-hmm. in I, I don't I think even at Atchata before he joined in United, he was playing towards the attack. Well, he's got, at United, he's
0: got that ability.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if he's he has the ability to be eight or six. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the I think that's the main problem. You know what
0: I mean? I say that ability technique-wise like he has. However, us watching him at United for two years, he cannot shoot to save his life. I've never seen someone so less dangerous in front of goal. Like if the ball falls to Fred on the eight-yard box, you're thinking goal kick. There's no chance he's going to put this in. Even his goal this year against Tottenham, he's inside the six-yard box and he almost put it over the crossbar. But we'll quickly move on. He's running out of time. But um, won't, won't spend too much time on the last play. Obviously, again, current player, Alex Tellez, just your thoughts on him in regards to the Brazil setup. Is he someone that is in and around, close to being in the team, or well, it's a case of he needs to be playing first team football? Because when he came to United, a lot of it I was in the category saying he should maybe displace Luke Shaw. Now ultimately, Luke Shaw went on to have a great season, and Telez when Tevez came in, Tevez was good, but ultimately he just couldn't displace Luke Shaw because Luke Shaw was great. So, Luke, so Tellez's appearances were quite limited. Um, do you think that's ultimately what cost him a spot in the Copa America team?
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. But um, I think uh, I was thinking that today, uh, Telis. I think uh, all the English fans they wish they should go to Telis, go on Instagram and say thanks to him, because because of him, they yeah. got a, a very good left back in Euros. Because
0: yeah.
1: Luke Shaw just switched on and then become a great left back. Um, look, uh, the the competition for left backs in Brazil is between. Teles between Alexandro, between uh, the, guy, the kid plays for Atletico, Renan Lord, Marcelo maybe, it depends, he's towards the end of his career, but he's still Marcelo, uh, he had the chance to, 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 to make the team. Uh, I think the problem, the big problem with him was that Luke Schultz switched on, and then mm. uh, he didn't have much game time. And but I think yeah, I still think because now Luke Sean, he's not he's not going to start the season with United because he has a he's injured, is he? Has he yeah, injured? the
0: reports coming out that he played part of the U.S. with broken ribs. How accurate that is, I'm not sure. But yeah, I saw no pun intended, but I did see the strapping. They showed a photo of.
1: But I think this season will be a big season for Telles because he's he's good. He's a quality player. I really like him, even though he's the typical Brazilian fullback. Who likes mm-hmm. to attack more than to de- than defend? But but he's very good on the ball. And um, look, if he double up with Sancho on the left side, they will do overlaps. He's going to be very good. Yeah, you guys have good, uh, very good uh, options this season. Now we're well, getting as I said in we, as well. As yeah, when had, we
0: yeah. when we previewed the preseason a couple of weeks ago, I made the point. That everyone's excited to see young players throughout preseason. But in my opinion, the name to look for was Alex Tellez this preseason in terms of one of the senior players who's fit, because obviously a lot of the players are at the Euros, or Fred and Cavani were at the Cop America, and with Luke Shaw potentially missing the start of the season, I think Tellez will get... He'll go into that season, the first game of the season, against Leeds as our starting left-back. And ultimately, if he has five, six games where he performs at a high level, Luke Shaw will then have to be the one who has to displace Tellez. And I think that's a good option to have. A lot of people prefer Luke Shaw, some prefer Tellez. Ultimately, Luke Shaw was the best left back in Europe, in my opinion, yeah. last season. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a good problem to have. And as you say, I think when you look back at the whole signing of Tellez as an individual, you think, oh, he hasn't quite done it at United. However, from a club's point of view, and if you put yourself in Solskjaer's shoes, it's been a fantastic signing because what it has enabled Luke Shaw to go on and do. But, um,
1: exactly.
0: yeah, about 50 minutes has gone there. That has absolutely flown by. Um I said, eight Brazilians. Luckily, there wasn't 28 Brazilians or would have to do a 24 hour podcast, but um, hopefully, everyone really enjoyed that. Something different, and as I said, um, tried to really stay away from the Rafael Varane and Jaden Sancho news. I'm sure Larry and I will maybe do a video tomorrow. Surely, Jaden Sancho should be announced by this time tomorrow, <laughs> and we can go live with that. And hopefully, something a little bit more concrete on um, Rafael varan But um, thank you for everyone putting your comments up and interacting the live chat, um, make sure you please do like the video and subscribe. So whenever we, all our videos will be live, this podcast will obviously go on our um, podcast app as well. So you can listen audio only audio only version um, at your convenience, but um, make sure you are subscribed. So whenever we go live, you can join in the chat. And as I said, beats lockdown, whatever's on TV. I don't know what's on TV at the moment. My wife's always flicking through the channels and she can't sort of focus on one thing. So other than that, um, oh, Lewis, as I said, I'm um, Louis, a football coach here, player and coach. Um, where can they find your Instagram, Lewis? I'll put it in my the description. Instagram. But just let so everyone know.
1: yeah my Instagram is Louis Lobo FC. Louis Lobo Football Coaching. I share all everything about football, uh, everything related to to games, to players, to coaches. Obviously, my my sessions, especially to help. Kids, a lot of kids follow me, my players, the players that I coach. Um, and just, if you well, a lot be- of our
0: listeners, Lewis, do uh, we have um, the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney? We have these charity games. Now, ultimately, during COVID, mm-hmm. we're not sort of getting them out as frequently, but um, we have maybe two or three games a season. And I can assure you, obviously, Lewis is based in Sydney, um, especially Larry. Could you go over to Lewis's page and sign up for some 1v1 sessions? Because um, you could do really work on your touch. And Lewis, someone I've seen play and someone I've seen coach, um, does have a fantastic touch. And ultimately, when you do see players sort of develop in Australia and the way our system has worked over the past twenty years, we do need more people like Lewis who understand the game in a different way and let's say, let's say a better way, as the way they do in Brazil. And um, very good. So a lot of our players can go over to him and sort of sharpen their tools ahead of our next game because I'm organising our next game at the moment and it's likely against Leeds. So um, we do need to be sharp. Um, so Larry and a few other boy, boys get over there and um, give Lewis a run. Yep. And um, ultimately, I will post all these, um, we'll post all the links in the description below. Hopefully, you enjoyed this podcast and we will chat to you, or Larry and I will chat to you again um, tomorrow. Hopefully, Jaden Sancho news. So cheers, Lewis.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks a lot for the, the invite. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, good luck for May United this year. I reckon this year you, can, you guys can get something out of it, some good... You guys Fingers need, crossed. Fingers crossed. We, you know we need, need it. Trust me, we need it. You, you need more than Europa League or... Yeah. Uh, or oh, in I the Champions League. Champions League, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'll support if you Chelsea, if
0: Chelsea win it, we can win it. <laughs> exactly. All right. All, right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, Tom. Chat, two, two,